it's Joey Salvia, and before we hop into a car for episode 75, quick program note. Some of you might not know it, but Greg's an early riser, and he's been doing these live streams on Facebook and Instagram a few times a week. I caught one the other day. Yeah, only one. But I go to bed a lot later than he does, because I'm usually still working on this podcast, but I'm going to share it with you now. It's just Greg hanging out at home, watching the sunrise over New York City with a cup of coffee at OP Radio on Instagram, enjoying his view from a window at his palatial crib, telling stories, sharing clips of his podcast, and hanging out with his followers. Let's listen in. Yes, I have bumped into Louis C.K., he lives, uh, you, you see this view out my window here? He lives uh, a bit up and to the left there, um, not too far from me. And I, I bumped into him on the street. We talked for about five or ten minutes. I've told, I, I've, I've said this on the, on the stream. Um, invited him on my podcast. And, uh, oh, I was reading Stump Brain's comment. And, um. And he said, email me. And stupid me, I assumed I had his email. And I don't have his email. So I, I don't even, I mean, we, <laughs> we had a nice conversation on the street. So I don't know, I don't know if he meant, meant it or, or if it was one of those, you know, um, Hollywood blow-offs where, you know, you're always kind of making plans with people, but it never really happens. Like, like the time uh, Quentin Tarantino came on the show. We felt like we hit it off. We had a great interview. I forgot which movie it was. And uh, Quentin did has done the show a bunch over the years. And then we were talking about documentaries and other movies. And he does a movie night in Hollywood. And <laughs> he actually invited me. He's like, next time you're in L.A., man, you got to stop on by for a movie night. And I'm like, holy shit. Could you imagine going to uh, Quentin Tarantino's house for a movie night? And what you would see? You would see some weird Japanese fucking movie or some foreign thing right um and then you know the mics are off and we take pictures and i'm just assuming at this point he's going to give me some kind of personal information so the next time i'm in la i can look him up and and go to his house for movie night and i'm just thinking about the popcorn and the setup and what kind of uh what kind of theater he has in his house for his movie nights and i'm thinking what other celebrities are going to be there? Oh, my God, who am I going to meet at Quentin Tarantino's house for movie night the next time I'm in L.A.? And uh, fast forward a few more minutes, he's walking down the hall, and there is no info being exchanged. <laughs> that happens all the time. <laughs> oh, Christ. Anyway, I think we're going to play a little uh, piece of the podcast. Because I have to go get the kids up. But I do come back. If you haven't been... Oh, let me turn down the light on the computer here. So you can enjoy the sun coming up. <clears throat> I'm going to clear out my voice. I'm going to go get my kids. I'm going to turn on their SpongeBob. So I'm going to play just a little piece uh, that's hilarious. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh... <laughs> Does Quentin actually ever stop to listen to anyone, or does he do all the talking all of the time? Uh, he's a, you know what? There are people that will talk your face off, and you sit there like, oh, my God, just shut your fucking mouth. And then there are people that take up all the space and all the air 
um, that are really interesting to listen to. I, I could sit there and just listen to Quentin Tarantino talk for hours on that, no problem. So he's he's one of those guys. Uh, all right. Let's see. Hey, Mikey Trumpet. First time, long time. Well, I hope you're subscribed to the Opie Radio podcast. There you have it. So wake up early, grab a cup of joe, and watch the sunrise over Manhattan at Opie Radio on Facebook or Instagram. I believe he's going to be doing YouTube as well. Now let's go for a ride with our pal, Vic Kenley on Opie Radio. I got to get him to Ron White's tour bus, and then I think he's going to do like three or four cities. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm not doing anything else, and I'm, uh, I, I think I got to start giving this Uber driving uh, a try. So, uh, me and Vic will drive to New Brunswick, talk some shit, and uh, hopefully we'll get Ron White on at the end of this podcast. That's right. It's podcast time. Oh, yeah. Over here, Vic! Here's the man himself, Vic Henley. What's going on, Vic Henley? Let me take your bag for you. Let me take your your bag for you. What's going on, man? Might as well take the coat, too. Take the coat. Let's get comfortable. We've got a long ride of what? New Brunswick? That's right. New Brunswick, New Jersey to hook up with Ron White. We're going to beat them there, I think. Really? I can't believe he's taking the chance. This is... He usually won't fly on show day, much less with the show being at 8. He's landing at like 5.30, Newark. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, he hardly ever does that. Should we go pick him up, too? So, no, the bus is there. Oh, really? The <laughs> yeah, tour bus? The tour bus is there. They got in last night, and um, and he's landing at 4.20. <laughs> no kidding, really. I love it. All right, come on. We got to get going, man. All right. What do you think uh, is the best way to get out of the city today? I was looking at it, and it's up and over, up up to the GW now. Yeah, straight down ninety five. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Then uh, let's so do that's that. easy. Everyone was fucking beeping their heads off, man. Oh, because oh. you were doing this. Well, I was I was going no, I, not because of the podcast part, because I was I was going slow to try to find your building because I've never been here during the day. Well, and you certainly left in the middle of the night the other night. <laughs> that was a good time, man. <laughs> that was crazy. That was insane. We got to talk about that. That was totally, totally 15 hours. For real? No, no. Well, Carl showed up at about 11.45 or noon. Right. And then I was still sitting there talking to him at like 6.30 in the morning. Jesus. <laughs> so, he, stayed, he stayed at your apartment till 6.30 in the morning? Yeah, and then, you know, then, then I went to bed, and then he went to bed, and when I woke up at about noon, he was gone. Boo! He was gone like That's his standard MO, his standard MO. He's the only one that's ever stayed in my house in years. Right. And he goes to bed late, and then I usually go to bed first. Then you wake up and next morning he's gone. And he's gone like he was never there like to begin ninja. with. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the story goes... Uh, 
I mean, we got to talk about uh, William Stevenson a little bit, too, because that's how the whole party got oh, going sure. the other night, man. Sure, sure, sure. Well, that's super easy. All right, I'm yes. with, oh, of course the school bus is now blocking us in. Well, you know, it's a red light anyway. No, I know, but uh, no one's let me out. Um, so, no, I, I've talked about it a little bit, but William Stevenson was a beloved comic here in New York City. And uh, you knew him for what, like 30 years? Close to it, something like that, yeah. And I, we played cards together every Monday at Eddie Brill's apartment. And, and Eddie Brill and J.R. Haviland uh, are two other, we're the three or four of us. We're really, really good friends for a long, long time, especially because of the poker game. But then William used to always, um, for a good decade, he hosted Funk Night at the Cafe Wa. And the people that owns the cellar own that bill. They own the whole block practically, and so that club always has live music. William, down through the years, met a million different studio musicians and backup singers and stuff like this. So he talked them into like a free for all on every Tuesday, and whoever showed up just showed, and they jammed, and it was a whole two or three hours of killer, killer funky music, really really good shit. And uh, William talked the club into letting them divide up the door, so it was a whole pay-for-play thing, and, and so that would draw a really good bunch of musicians and stuff, and it was always packed, and it ended every night at 2.30, from 2.30 to 3.30 in the morning, it ended with live karaoke, where William would go around for about an hour or so before the show was over, and you could put your name on the clipboard and what song you wanted to sing, and the band could sing, could play almost anything, that you never stumped the band, and then that wasn't the point, but the point was to... Keep it soul, keep it funk, you know. So, you know, Jewish kids from NYU with yarmulkes busting out, <laughs> busting out James Brown and killing it. <laughs> and it and it wasn't as, uh, even if you couldn't do it, it was not mean like the Apollo. They did, they wouldn't boo you off or yell at you. They'd all clap and cheer. It was always a really, it was a really fun way to end the night. Because all ages, everybody got up. He'd have to cut the list off sometimes because they'd run out of, they'd run out of time. But, um, so he was one of these guys that really had a good time besides being a really funny comic. He brought a lot of you guys together with the, the poker game and, and the funk night. Yeah, absolutely. He was a founding member of the poker game. He brought two new decks of cards every week. We always had to play with brand new decks of cards, one of his rules. Every week? You <laughs> every go, week. Why? You started You started because. Who he, he was worried that people were going to be cheating at the poker game? Well, no, but that's just, you know, for $6 a week, he felt, you know, just start with a brand new deck of cards. He didn't like it if your cards got all bent up. And all this other crazy stuff, and uh, and yeah, so he that was his thing. He brought two new decks of cards every week, and uh, Jr. would bring two six packs of Heineken, and I would bring some weed. And Eddie had every, Eddie had the apartment. We had Eddie Brill. Eddie Brill had the poker table there. They all chipped in together. We went to one of the gambling stores and bought a really nice, like a five hundred dollar poker table. And it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's at Jr. One of them, one of them still hanging on. Then I bought one. We had uptown and downtown location for a while. We were. Degenerate gambling in our maximum. <laughs> but but uh, how much were the games? The games most people would buy in with sixty bucks or a hundred bucks. But it's limit poker. It's a friendly game, and you can't check and raise. So and there's and there's a whole bunch of weird games. Not as I mean crazy stuff where you could get five of a kind and you know almost like baseball. But ninety percent of the time you played a lot of seven card stud, five card stud stuff like that, and uh, and it was great. Poker playing pledge, and we made a playlist every every week. Uh, we started with uh, an hour and a half of whatever playlist he had thrown together, always heavy with jazz and funk and, uh, you know, not white people. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the Louis C.K. story that he told me the other night. Oh, God. He, uh, when one of their famous um, 
the closet to leave Eddie Brill's apartment is right by the front door. Both doors look exactly the same. And many a tipsy McTipsy person, you know, opened up the, thinking they were leaving, opened up the closet door and almost walked into the closet. But it's a New York City smaller apartment, so it's not a big, deep closet. So you, you're about to take a step in, you're, oh, God, it's just closet. <laughs> other door, we'd all yell, other door, you know. And so one night, Louis, who had lost all of his money, uh, he's and he he got up and he was going to storm out and, and he uh, and he he walked all the way in the closet <laughs> by accident and closed the door and so now having made the only time anyone's ever done this was him everybody else would always catch themselves a million people made the mistake now he's inside and he's going to do the classic what any comic would do how long do you stay in there. <laughs> before you come back out. You can't just walk right back out immediately like, ah, I fucked up, I'm an idiot, you know. So he stays in there, and so we, we put a few more hands, and we're all like, how long is he going to stand in there? We're kind of mumbling to ourselves. And he stood in there, not 15 minutes, but somewhere over 10 minutes. He stayed in there and didn't say a goddamn thing. We just kept playing poker and never acknowledged that he was in there. And all of a sudden, he just swings the door open. He said something like, uh, if you want to come visit your money sometime, suckers, <laughs> come by my house. Because he didn't have any of our money. He had lost all of his money. Of course. <laughs> so, and then he left. And then he left. Then he went out the right door and actually exited the apartment. <laughs> That's awesome. And Jay Moore, Jay Moore lived down the hall for a while. And, uh, and he hardly ever came to the game. But uh, every now and then, because he knew the door was open, Eddie would flip the latch like you can do where you don't have to keep getting up and letting someone come in your apartment in New York. And... Uh, so every now and then, Jay Moore would just run in naked. <laughs> he, he, the door would fly open. He'd totally fucking naked. And he'd run in, and he'd do a little lap around the whole apartment. He'd kind of trot, 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 And then he'd go right back out the door, right back down the hall. Why, why is it we all know what Jay Moore looks like naked? You can always imagine it. Right. You don't even need to. Right. You knew. We all sat there exactly at the time and go, oh, it's exactly what we thought it was. Jay Moore was one of the first comics that, I became friends with when we moved to New York City. Oh, nice. And he was one of the first comics that did the Opie and Anthony show when we were at WNEW. Um, he came in. He didn't know us from a hole in the wall. And, and we certainly knew him, man. And we were doing a clit, <gasps> a clit piercing that day. Ooh. On regular ooh, radio. I remember. Ooh, ooh, ooh. A clit piercing on regular radio. And I remember going around America after that because I think y'all were the first ones to do it. I think so. And then next thing you know, Omaha, Chicago, right. Kansas right. City, right. Detroit. Right. Right. Every time I walked in to do morning radio to promote a club gig, it became old hat. <laughs> they're, all, oh, they're all doing clit yeah, piercing. everybody's doing clit piercing. Everybody's playing naked, transvestite, bongo butt things. And, you know, it's all kind of weird. A lot of things that you guys did. Right. Well, Howard Stern got Butt Bongo from another. Uh, he got Butt Bongo from another radio show. I always felt bad for that radio show. But um, so we do the clip piercing. The girl was fucking gorgeous, completely naked. This is live at the radio. She's screaming because you know the piercing hurts. And Jay Moore come, comes walking in, <laughs> jumps right in the action, and we became instant friends. Oh, sure. Of instant friend. I mean, how do you not become instant yeah. friends at that point? He's a good guy. Yeah. Well, really. Yeah. You're in. You're in Nam together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've just been dropped off in the Denang. <laughs> and then over the years, when it, when it was time for him to come back on the show, we would just be doing our regular radio show. Let's say Jay had a show up at four o'clock, and all of a sudden the door would just fly open, and he would come in sometimes completely naked. Oh, okay. I didn't know there was a precedent. <laughs> A lot of people, a lot of people like the naked. 
naked guard. I, I was never a big. And that was the first time I heard the expression uh, "grower, not a shower." Okay, was, all right. Because Jay Moore would brag that he was a grower, not a shower. Sure, I, I could. I heard that in high school. It was the first yeah. time I started hearing that. So William Stevenson uh, unexpected, yeah. unexpectedly uh, died about a week ago, right? Well, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. They he called in sick, said he had food poisoning, was supposed to host down at the cellar on Friday, and he called him and said he had food poisoning, wasn't feeling well, and then Saturday just no answer he no showed and they couldn't find him and they and they they're emailing him they're calling him nothing and then i guess um uh, so then he, he lived he had a roommate and uh but it'd be very common for william to come in at five in the morning after working all weekend and sleep all day sunday and then get up by dinner time on sunday night so the i think the roommate didn't really go checking on him till monday morning and he knocked on the door and uh and the door was kind of cracked and he went in there and he was laying there gone Oh, you know, so he, he must have laid down somewhere in the middle of being sick and just never woke up. So, so maybe that uh, food poisoning was a heart attack or something, <laughs> or the early signs. They say a lot of times, you know, yeah, indigestion and that kind of goes together. Some stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, oh no, that's that's God is honest truth. Before my dad died in the car accident, he had three or four heart attacks, and a lot of times he would go, "Ah, it's just that I ate broccoli. I got indigestion." <laughs> And he would have these heart pains, right? And one time, are we going this way? I mean, the podcast sounds great, but I am completely lost in New York City right now. I think we go this way. You can go across. You just you eventually you're trying to get. Yeah, we're just trying to go to the GW. Oh yeah, um, we're on MLK Boulevard and 125th Street, baby. The Apollo coming up. This is perfect for you. You love the Apollo. I love the Apollo, man. I saw uh, who I see the last time I went to a show. It's been a while. John Legend. I saw John Legend and uh, Estelle. When I was in uh, Good Graces with uh, Sirius XM Satellite, I I went to the Paul McCartney show at the Apollo. I was trying to finagle some Metallica show. That was amazing. Did you see that one too? Yes, and they 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 brought in all their equipment like they were playing like a like um, Yankee Stadium. Stadium. (laughs) I've Dude, it was so loud, my ribs were vibrating. Like, like it, they were vibrating in a way I was starting to get scared. That's how loud it was. No, I heard everybody was talking about it. I missed I was, I was begging and pleading to try to get in on that, and I couldn't do it. I was not powerful enough. Everyone had earplugs, and you would take the earplug out a little bit. You would sacrifice your ears, depending on what song they were playing. Oh, just for no a second. Jo- yes. Just for a second. Because it was so That's fucking what everyone was loud. Saying. They said you could, if you were walking around out on the street around the oh, building, yeah. you could hear it all the way up the, for a block. Each, oh, yeah. In each direction, you could just hear it pounding like it was shaking the damn foundation to its core. 100%. So... Yeah, my dad would get these uh, chest pains, and he would always go, ah, it's broccoli, you know? And then uh, <laughs> he was in Florida, my sister's house, had the chest pain, and he's like, that's stupid broccoli, I'll get checked out when I get home. And he drove all the way back from Florida to New York, Long Island, went to his doctor, and it's like, yeah, you had a fucking heart attack, that was no broccoli. Oh, God. So, but he he drove, what is that, 12, 15 hours? That's 20. He drove, oh, well, yeah, But after 16, this, 18. he still drove all the way back. Yes. And my, then went to the doctor. My dad was a savage. That's crazy, man. My dad was a savage. Never wanted to be a bother uh, for anyone. Well, you know, I, I, hey, I'll take that. I'm, I'm sorry we lost my friend, but I'll, yeah. I, I think everybody on the planet would take the lay down and don't wake up. Of course. If that's a way to go, that's the way to go. Of course. Um, other than that, you know, so... I got to tell you, you guys, uh, you guys in the stand-up world, man, you you lose a lot of comics uh, before their time. It's unbelievable. Um, and, and, you know, when someone dies, you get 
everyone uh, reaches out and says nice things, more or less, about uh, the comic. But I've never seen such love for a comic like uh, like the like uh, what's William been what's, what's what's been for uh, yeah. William Stevenson. Yeah. He well he. The, the seller holiday party was Monday night anyway. And so I think they... I was going to go to that, and then I thought, oh, it'll just turn into a sad fest, and everybody will be mopey. And Sherrod went, and he called me and said that, you know, they, they had a toast for him, but then then all the other narcissistic fuckers went back to being concerned. <laughs> so I thought it was going to be... How is going to affect them? <laughs> yes. Or, yeah, some gig, something right. non-related. Oh, God, to, I hope they don't cancel yeah, my gig at Helium Comedy Club. Yes, exactly, totally. Every bit of that has nothing to do. Yeah, yes, oh, well, uh, but yes, now, but then back to me. And, then, and then a lot of those guys are going, you know what? I think I move up a slot. Oh, that's true. Hosts, I guarantee you some of them are going, ooh, some host spots just opened up at the cellar in the Village Underground. Oh, you guys are animals. Somewhere, Artie Fuqua and Will Sylvans are just jumping up and down with joy. On the last podcast, I, I uh, obviously I know a lot of you guys. I described the, uh, the stand-up comedian as a crab in a bucket pulling all the other crabs down to get to the top of the bucket. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> seafood analogy. Well, nothing wrong with a good seafood no, analogy. No, always. That's perfect. We are all bottom feeders. <laughs> that fits in. Crabs. We walk sideways. We talk sideways. You guys are uh, you guys are a unique bunch. You really are. But they didn't have any problem. To, they really, really, everybody loved this guy. He hosted here yeah. forever. He would still do sets. But he was one of those guys that wouldn't write anything down. You talk to him all the time, and he, you're like, and he would say a lot of funny stuff, and then he would do it for a week, and then he'd, he'd just forget about it and not do it anymore. That's amazing. And like a month would go by, and you're like, how come about the lady on the cell phone and the subway thing? How come? Why? Oh, I forgot. About, I forgot about that. Wow, that's a talent. And we're like, man. write some shit down, dumbass. You, you know, and uh, those guys come along from time to time, though. But he he was very gracious. He loved running the show on time. He was a stickler for running the show on time, and and then. Keeping everybody, you could add sets, and I mean, he just ran a real smooth show. There was never any bullshit. They loved him at Gotham Comedy Club because he would not hesitate at the beginning of the show, even though it's going to set a bad tone. But say somebody's really rowdy or table's about to get out of control, instead of going on and getting the laugh and getting the love going and letting them kind of percolate and get a little louder, at, right at the top of the show, sometimes, hey, 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 shut the fuck up right now, or I'm throwing your ass out of here. You know, if 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 called for. You know, maybe once or twice a year, and he didn't give a goddamn if he had to burn through his 15-minute warm-up yeah. looking like a dick, but to settle the room and make sure the goddamn show was going to run smoothly with no loud, drunken idiots, he would occasionally have to do that. And a lot of clubs don't like that, you know, but like the really good A rooms recognize what's going on and know that the show's going to be settled after this, and so okay, maybe he didn't do the full-on love you, love your warm-up, but the fire was put out before it ever got a chance to start, and now everything's going to be smooth sailing. Yeah, that's smart. Knowing little nuances and stuff like that, that's why I just love, 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 love. DC Benny said, uh, he just saw him a week ago, and he showed up, and William, he's always in a bad mood, always grumpy, but not really. Not really at all, you know. Teddy bear inside, but always, you know, <laughs> just grumpy mad, you know. So he was sitting there, and uh, Ben walks up, DC, and um, he's like, You're late. It's the first thing he says, like, How you doing? You're late. And Ben goes, I'm five minutes early. And William looks at his watch and sees that Ben's right. He is exactly five minutes early. And William's eating french fries, so he put the napkin over his french fries because he had to go down and bring on the next act. He goes, You're late. I'm actually five minutes early. No, you're not. Oh, yeah, you are. 
don't fuck my french fries. <laughs> Put his napkin over him. And so as soon as he walked away, naturally, Ben goes, he moves the napkin and started eating his french fries. <laughs> Speaking of french fries, you know you're in the ghetto. We just passed uh, Frederick Douglass, um, is it Avenue Boulevard. or Boulevard? Boulevard, right? MLK and Fred, Frederick Douglass uh, Boulevard. You know you're in a ghetto because all the fast food joints have two stories. That's true. <laughs> and there's homemade ones too, like McDowell's. And like coming to America, they're right next to the McDonald's is another burger joint. That, you know, you know, just somebody had an idea, decided to go with it. And it sort of looks like the Golden Arches, but Maybe not, not really. Not quite. The Burger King is that a crown? It kind of looks like a crown, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's some kind of headgear. And I've got to, um, yeah, we got to get around. But it's a lot. Look how nice it is. It's not compared I, to twenty something years ago. Well, we're supposed to come up here and do a and oh, I, yeah. Carl wanted to do a food tour. I a think. soul food uh, yeah, yeah. tour up here, I, and obviously you got to come for that one, man. Well, that, I used that, to come to awesome. I heard about Sylvia's, you know, yeah, of course, back at thirty years ago when I first moved here, and I was going to go. And we're hanging around Catch a Rising Star one night, and I'm trying to round up three or four dudes to go. And Chris Rock is standing there, and he's like, wait, wait, wait. You it, was all, it, it just happened to be the two or three dudes I'm asking are other comic white guys. And Rock wanders over and goes, so you really think you're going you're gonna to go up to Harlem by yourself and go to Sylvia's? And I'm like, why not? It's supposed to be great. Everybody goes there. It's delicious food. He goes, oh, no, this food's crazy good. It's super, super good. But they don't, it's not really, I go, oh, really going to tell me? That? And he goes, look, it's 85. <laughs> it's wow. still New Jack City. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't know exactly what's going on up here. It's still 85. <laughs> well, at the time it was. At the time this happened, right. he walks over and goes, no, 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 no. If you want to go, if you really want to go that bad, I'll go with you. Yeah. And we made arrangements. And so he brought us up here for the first time, me and him and Jeff Stilson. And, uh, it's like. It's like it's like three in the middle of the night, dark up in Harlem. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, where I grew up, it was noon. You know, yeah, because as that, far as the darkness goes, well, there's street lights. It's just none of them ever work. They're always out. No, I'm talking about the color of people's oh, skin. Sorry, I was talking about the light. <laughs> yeah, you still laughed at my joke. <laughs> see, middle of the night, dark. Because see, I got you, sure. yeah, and then because I'm really white, noon. <sighs> anyway. So about it, so William, so it drifted on through uh, like his sister. I, he's from Detroit originally. He came through the comedy scene in D.C., Washington D.C., and um, so I think his sister's coming from Detroit, and they, I, they'll take him back there. So word was getting out. Everybody was posting pictures online, and everybody was talking. It was just a giant love fest, like you said. And then um, so Carl had called me for something Tuesday night late. I forgot, and I'm like, "Hey, I ain't, I'm not in a real good mood right now, Carl. I lost a friend of mine, so get back. whatever it is." I answered him and said, "You know, talk to you later." And um, so then the next Wednesday morning at like 11:30 or so, I'd been up for a while. He um, he calls me again. He's phone call. He doesn't text. He calls and says, "You didn't tell me it was goddamn William Stevenson, you know." And so I'm like, "Oh, well, he said you just said it was." A I go, "Look, Carl, I'm, I'm I was crying till three o'clock in the morning. I'm sad. I don't like it." And I'm not really unburdening myself until you, but you know. And he goes, I'm in Union, New Jersey. I'm in a pork store. They make the best cold cuts. <laughs> he goes to this long, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house with meat and uh, and bread and some, you know, beers. And we're just going to eat and uh, and drink and, and, and celebrate and, and talk about William and do And, and laugh. But, yeah. Well, I, I could jump in on the story a little bit there. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. So Carl calls uh, calls me about some other nonsense, and then I go, "Man, Vic's uh, 
you know, Vic's a, is bummed out. I told him it was William Stevenson. I didn't know you guys had a conversation before that. And uh, I think this is the way to go, right? Yeah, the Henry Hudson's It's kind of yeah. hard to uh, podcast and, and work my way around Harlem. I'm not up here often. Um, anyway. Um, getting close. So we hang up. And no joke, man. An hour later, he calls back, which is unlike Carl. And he goes, I'm outside your apartment. We're going to Vicks. <laughs> I'm like, what? Now, I got to say, uh, here. for the podcast, I go, Carl, I know this is important, but this literally is the only day I can't just drop everything and go because my... Your my, kid stuff. Yeah, my son was in an after-school program at his uh, at his school, and it was a, a whole claymation thing. And it was the big reveal. They've been working on this claymation movie for, what, three months, and they were doing a screening for the parents and the whole school. Sure. If I miss that, no, uh, no bueno. <laughs> so uh, a little side note to that, by the way. The claymation was great. My son had a smile from ear to ear. How long was it? Um, they did about six or about a, about a little less than ten minutes. It, God, that would say, and that takes forever. I think they were saying it was 15, um, 15 shots per second, I oh, think. Wow. So they've been working on this a long time, and um, and they're third graders. And, and, yeah, that's and insane. honestly, it was really no, good. No, that's what like, I'm saying. I, the it minute, was funny. No. It was like, I'm like, you, you guys are third graders? Holy <laughs> shit. So a little side note. At the end of it, you'll appreciate this being older like myself. Um, the teacher goes, well, if you want to see it again, you could go online um, and here's the here's the link, or you could have a DVD. And I was the only one that took a DVD. All the other parents were like, "What the? F- who who has a DVD player?" They were <laughs> they were looking at it like it was an eight track tape for us, reel to reel. But as you see, I got one in the car, so Absolutely. I figured. I, but that's the only place I got a DVD player. Um, so anyway. Soon as that ended, I, I I called you guys up and uh, thank God it was still happening and I I got over there and I want to pick it up from here just for a second. So I, I get over there and this is what I see. I walk in, everyone is in socks, everyone just lost their shoes. Carl's in the kitchen, uh, salsa dancing. <laughs> you got the the greatest funk music I've ever heard just blasting. Well, that's because uh, I told you William always made the playlist. So years ago at poker, I'm like, bring me the last five or six. And I just put them in my still ancient iPod. And uh, and so I, it's called 186 Tracks of Funk. It was awesome. And I just, so I played that. I said, don't you, anyone touch it. If you want to make it louder or softer, you can. But nobody fuck with this. And we had that thing going. That's like, you know. 17 hours of music was on the thing or something, something crazy. And you guys almost made it to the end. We almost made it. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk in, I'm like, wow, this is a party. You guys had uh, actually no beer, though. You guys we were, were drinking Portuguese beers, and I'll post a picture of it later. On, uh, oh, was there's it? little tiny miniature beers called, it said Super Bach. Oh, that was a Portuguese beer? I never saw that beer before. It was really good, by the way. And it has a pop-top plastic thing. So it looks like it's a regular beer cap on there when you're looking at it, and then you just see this little ring that goes down the neck of the bottle that's plastic. You're like, what the hell is that? And Carl's making some joke about, they're too stupid to have a bottle opener. And so they put this thing on it, <laughs> and you, you put your finger through the loop right. and pop the top, right. and then the whole thing comes off, you know, but it makes a mess. It's hard for it to hold it steady, and it always kind of sloshes when you get it over. And uh, yeah, so he had he had those, he showed up with those beers, and that was the only beer we had. And we had a, we had a two liter of Jack Daniels. 
that which my, was half done when I got there. <laughs> that my, and Carl brought a like a pint and a half or a, a 750 milliliter of a, of a Jim Beam. Yeah, yeah. So he, he likes his Jim Beam. So uh, yeah, I walk in and the music cranking. Uh, every, everyone's dancing. Sherrod's laughing his ass off, and Carl is cooking uh, food just left and right. He started with, uh, we, he made little sandwiches with three, he had this black forest ham, and then he had salami, and then the way, he's like, the Italians ruined salami. <laughs> he's showing now the, the original salami, it's much darker, it has more paprika in it, and it's a little more dense. And then he had the Genoa salami that everybody knows is what we know as salami. But yeah, and he's throwing out sandwiches and talking about, they would put one peppercorn in a certain spot in the in the salami, at like if it was like, like the numbers on a clock, and you knew who made that salami in that region by where the peppercorn was. Just one. Just one. So it's at 3 o'clock, it came from this guy over here. If the peppercorn's at 9 o'clock, it came from this guy over I, here. I got to challenge you on that. What if you just rotate the... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I was just listening to Carl. I'm just regurgitating what he's throwing out stuff. Right, It's like a jeweler with a watch. It's your signature. You know? I, don't, I don't question Carl on anything. <laughs> so, yes, but you're right. You're depending on where you can hold it. <laughs> right, right, right. It's always near the top, so depending on where you hold it. But I walked in and, and uh, I, I mean, especially Sherrod was was moaning, describing the food he was eating that Carl was preparing for everybody. And the cool thing about Carl is he loves to cook for people, and he loves to watch you as you eat to see how much you're enjoying it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He, yes. He so walk through the other pie. shit. You you guys had pork chops. What else? Well, he started. He made the sandwiches with the black forest ham, the two kinds of salami, this Portuguese cheese that I forgot what it's called, but it's absolutely delicious. And he's kind of paninian them and triangling them and melting them down and doing them in the, on the pan and the grill pan, and then he's um. Then, so, and we're drinking the beers. He made the sandwiches. He's got the uh, Portuguese, sa- a Polish salad, which is the father of, it's like potato salad, but it's got more peas and carrots in it. And um, so we're eating the Polish salad and the beer, the Portuguese beer, the little sandwiches. Then he pulls out a smoked pork chop. <sighs> that they, 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 they sit it in salt for 10 days. Then they wash the salt on it and put brown sugar in it for another 10 days. Then they cold smoke it. Which means that Carl says that's like 140 degrees instead of maybe 250, which which we do regular barbecue or smoking meat. And um, so he did that in the oven. It was the most delicious, juicy pork chop I've ever had in my entire life. It's, you could you could knife cut, I mean fork cut it, fork tender. He put cheese, he put a layer of that cheese over the top and then put it back in the oven. But every bite was just filled with juice from top to bottom. Pork chops can get dry on you really, really quickly. That will ruin a good pork chop. This was you got to keep that shit moist. This was the juiciest, moistest. <laughs> I hate that word. That's why I said it. <laughs> it was so. I don't so know why good. I hate the word moist. He said it, but it was so. Uh, and then what was after the after the pork chop? Then we started running. Out. Oh, he brought the bologna. Yes, the bologna in its purest form is a much much smaller sausage. It's not like the big like you think of a slice of Oscar Mayer bologna. It's like. It was almost like pepperoni. Yeah, yeah, uh, a little pepperoni bit, size. A little bit bigger than that, right? Yeah. And the texture was almost so smooth, it was almost like pate or liverwurst. It's how soft. And, and he was slicing little slices of that and putting it in this Portuguese mustard that's a half, or Polish mustard. I think it's half horseradish, half mustard. So he's just doing little little bites of that. Then he had a lamb sausage that was stuffed with cranberry and cheese and Portuguese cheese. So he was making little pizza things on fresh rye bread. He's brought a giant loaf of fresh rye bread. So everything's coming out on the rye bread. And sometimes he's grilling, grilling it. Sometimes he's mashing panini style. 
So we had all the sandwiches, all the salad, all the all the pork chop, all the sauce. Explain the cranberry thing too. He's, they've just infused cranberry inside the lamb sausage, right in the middle. If you look at the slice of it, there's like a little dark nugget, yeah. and it's a, it's a piece of cranberry. They but just, isn't isn't uh, the thought they try to uh, mimic what, yes. the, what the animal That's, eats or something? Yes, you're absolutely right. Carl's explaining that, yeah, that because of the cheese and da 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 and all this that they're trying to. And they eat the cranberries, so they when they make their sausage, they, they put the cranberry they, in. They there. put a lot of that stuff right back yeah. in it, so. into their product. I, I I made you explain all this because by the time I walked in. You guys, <laughs> it was all gone, and you guys were explaining everything you ate, just like you just explained here on the podcast. And I, my mouth's watering, and I ran out because right from my uh, my my son's school, I, I didn't eat dinner, so I'm excited because I I know earlier in the day when Carl said I I just picked up all sorts of awesome uh, cold cuts and meat and and whatnot. I th- I thought I was going to feast. I come in to your apartment, and there's a little piece of the bologna left. And I'm like, Carl, I'm starving. And Carl, without even missing a beat, your your uh, your neighbor was there. What, what was his name? My neighbor Judge. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He goes to him. He goes, Yo, you got you got eggs? Because I, I noticed in your refrigerator, you had- nothing. <laughs> oh my god, not anything. I had three cans of Coke because I'd ordered Chinese food. And when Shiraz, because Shiraz was acting like he wasn't going to drink any Jim Beam or Jack Daniels. Yeah. And he was, I used to drink it all the time. He used to drink it all the time. But I always drink it with Coke. And I walked over. and I'm like, the only thing in the refrigerator are three free cokes that I got. You win. Chinese food. Here you so, go. So he's like, all right, serve me up. So I got him a glass, and he started hitting it. Yeah, I opened your fridge because I was so hungry, and uh, I was so sad to see absolutely nothing in there. So Carl just jumps to it. He goes, hey, goes to your neighbor, Judd. Judd sorry, and he goes, Judd, you got eggs? Judd goes, yeah. He runs off to get eggs. Uh, Carl goes, I need six eggs. Next thing you know, he's making me a bologna omelet. And I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, that doesn't really sound that great on paper, on paper. This bologna, though. But the, see, I should never question no, Carl, the, ever. The, the pork chop, everything was delicious. The pork chop was hands down the star of the day. Yeah. And then second place, to me, had to be the bologna. Because I'd never had it like that ever. It was the most delicious, smooth it was, it was bologna how it's supposed to be, as Carl kept saying. So he he chopped that up really fine, threw that thing in there. I put a picture on Twitter of, uh, and I said, uh, Carl is serving Opie Radio of the killer, most light, fluffy. He did the pan flip. Yeah. <laughs> it was This omelet was so damn fluffy. He put it in the oven for a while. It had the bologna in it, some spices. He finished it off with some barbecue sauce. Yeah. And this thing was insane how good it was. Yeah, so he, five monkey barbecue sauce. Right, right, right. And then he had the, from somewhere in Jersey, it's a black garlic spicy sauce and he was mixing the barbecue sauce with that black garlic sauce and then doing the drizzle across the top because Judd said he wanted it a little spicy for Texas <laughs> no but it was absolutely amazing and then uh, and then we continued just to laugh our asses off and listen to the funk music and drink a little bit and then uh, I always know when it's time to tap out with you guys I, I'm I'm still in the minor leagues, man. <laughs> well, you you forgot about dinner because somewhere, not only were you late to, and not getting anything, so he had to improvise the bologna omelet for you. My friend uh, Meg, who lives across the street, who I've known forever, and um, and I knew Carl was making something. He looked at Judd, said something like, "You know, I've got some filet mignons." Uh, 
Like Larry, he goes, I got them from Costco. So, so, so Carl's like, that's shit. <laughs> I forgot about that. Or Carl says, I'm like, so you know it's a good cut of meat. <laughs> so Judd walks in all happy that he could contribute to this this uh, makeshift party. And he throws the meat on the fucking counter. Carl turns around to us and goes, that's the shittiest meat I've ever seen. And, it, and, and but, you know what? He sliced that thin and he made it taste like roast beef because he said something like steak should kind of taste like roast beef. He had some kind of sauce that he whipped up with the spices that you did have laying around, and that was unbelievable. He was said he was going to duplicate beef on weck. Right, right, right. Because we still had a lot of the rye bread left, and I had the big thing of kosher salt. So he's taking the, the he's kind of toasting the bread for a second, but then he's dipping it in the pan drippings. Then he's taking that soggy side in the pan drippings and putting that on the salt to create like the weck roll. This is the buffalo thing. And so now you've got the rye bread with the heavy salt on it, just like they And he's putting that thinly sliced filet mignon on there, even though it was Costco. And God almighty. So that's what made me call Meg because she's from Buffalo. And I go, I send her a text. I'm like, if you haven't eaten, get over here. He Carl's improvising beef on weck. And, and, he, and he did. And he, she's sitting there. She's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. But then she started getting mad, too, because we were all still going on and on and on about all the other stuff <laughs> that she missed out on. <laughs> the pork job kept coming up. Like 900 times. Yeah. Everything circled back to the pork chop. Yeah. I mean, Carl in the kitchen, he, he's a true artist. It really was awesome to watch him work, uh, especially because you didn't have a full kitchen with all sorts of stuff. He was just making shit up as he went. He used every knife in every pan I have. And I have a lot I have a lot of pans and knives, and some of them are good and some of them are not. And uh, his buddy Jeff Fetter sent me a killer knife, and he was far too into it. When I went, oh, my God, he'd been pulling them out of my old butcher block knife, you know. And he made some comment, and I'm like, no, no, here, let me get you the... He goes, oh, I forgot Federer sent you a knife. It's who make who makes Carl's knives. So I got out the one he sent me, and I go, here. And then that, that then it went to a whole... That's what made him... That's what helped him fix the filet mignon, so I brought out that razor. Do you remember what he did with the knife? Who, uh, no. You don't remember what no. he did with the knife? Did he do a knife trick and I missed it? Yes! Oh, God. On me! Oh, oh yes! He hit, he hit you Dude. He hit you Dude. in the chest. He hit you in, with the sharp side. Dude. He hit you in the, with the sharp side. He literally tapped you right on your sternum I, with the I, sharp side. He was chop, 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 and then left hand, right... If it, I stopped, your, if it would have been your neck, it would have sliced your throat. I hard. stopped breathing. Yes. He, he basically did a restaurant slash chef trick. He's explaining to these guys how sharp the fetter knife is. And uh, he's showing the craftsmanship. It's a beautiful... Uh, Carbon steel. Beautiful, beautiful thing. And then he started saying, and this is what we do in the kitchen. And he went tap, tap, like he was like dicing a carrot or something. And then in this one move, he picks it up and just whips it across my chest. <laughs> With sharp side, sharp side, and I went. Ah! I screamed like a little bitch. You did the look on your, your like eyes. Like a little bitch. Your eyes got so big. I, oh, I did. I pissed myself. I was like, and this so thing hard. was razor sharp. But yes, then he was. had to explain. Well, you see, if you do it this way, you're not really going to leave a mark, and you're not really going to cut the person, especially if they're wearing their their chef jacket. Well, I wasn't wearing a chef jacket, Carl. <laughs> you had on your poofy winter coat, though, <laughs> right? Your ski jacket. I thought it was. I really, I thought feathers were about to pop out. Oh I really, I was. I thought. I literally thought. When he took it away, I was going to see stuffing or whatever is inside the jacket, the filling. Right. I just knew fiber, and then, no, nothing happened at That all. was a good whop. It, well, it, it made a loud sound. A it loud made, yes, thud. Yes. And, oh, I, yes, I'm glad you reminded me of that. Everybody saw it, too. Sherrod was dying. Uh, Meg was laughing. Oh, we should put that on video. But, <laughs> uh, by the way, we're uh, driving to New Brunswick, uh, New Jersey. Vic Henley's um, 
hooking up with Ron White. You guys are going to go on tour for three or four cities. And we just uh, we just went over the GWB, the George Washington Bridge here, which is one of those suicide bridges. Did you notice the netting they're putting yes. up? Yeah, I saw it. It's, I, a, it's a little-known secret here in New York City that a lot of people jump off the GWB. And I think the city, I really believe this. I, I, I was talking about it in the last podcast, and maybe you got a... Maybe you got something on this. Whenever someone jumps off the GWB, it's a very tiny, tiny article uh, that's buried in the newspapers. And I wonder if there was some deal that the city made with with the newspapers just to just to, to downplay that that happens a lot here in New York. I don't know, or to not encourage. Don't give it big bold headlines. It might make everybody teetering. Oh, here's how I'll do it, and then it's just a bigger mess now. I don't know, but you're right. It's it. Is, I know for sure. Living here all these years, you're. At, I didn't think of it till you said that. It's always on the tiny. back page, and it's all, yeah. yeah, one little two inch column, yes. one tiny little. Yes. You know, absolutely. I didn't think of that. That's a good observation. I think they. Um, I think I. Well, I, I used to remember because uh, I looked up the stats once, but it's it's a good three or four a year. Oh God! Oh yeah, man! It's a real fucking deal. Now, how many you think with uh, with the netting? How many people? How many homemade daredevils are going to jump on purpose, thinking it's like when you fall off the trapeze, the net always catches yeah, you? Yeah, how exactly. many people? How many? I guarantee you, some millennial daredevil is going to skateboard on a rail out there and try to fall off, thinking he'll be safe. Some YouTuber, yes, thinking it'll be an actual safety net, <laughs> and then it ain't going to work. You know, I've done really stupid things in my uh, my career, but did you hear about Logan Paul? I've heard that guy's name, but he's I don't a know. huge YouTuber, and he's 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 kind of a dirtbag. But he uh, announced that he was going to go gay for a month, and boy, are people pissed off! Oh, they're mad at him. They don't. It's because, because why? That they think he's like spoofing it and not really, or what do they think he's doing? But anyway, he, he's just going well, everything. I, I guess if you announce that you're going gay for a month, it it, it it basically says that being gay is a bad thing, and you're going to suffer through it for a month. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> That's a crazy. Well, I would just think, yeah, regular gay people would probably be really pissed off about this because you're somehow trivializing. Yeah, yeah. So no, I'm, uh, the internet was in a in a tizzy over over that little stunt. Which did he now back out? did he back out or did he stay I, with it? I don't know, but I know YouTube just came up with a new um, a new uh, whatever you want to call it rule or whatever where they're they're going to ban like um, prank videos. All uh, they've had it. They've None. had it with the the cinnamon challenge was a biggie for YouTube. The uh, lighting yourself on fire was a big oh, thing for God. YouTube. Um, so they're yeah they're um, they're blocking all prank videos now on YouTube. Well, there you go. That shows some maturity, I guess. Speaking of the gay. <laughs> the gay. Speaking of the gay. Speaking of the gay. Did you hear about uh, Pence's wife there? No. There's rumors that the vice president's wife might be. Oh gay. God, no! They they <laughs> they have openly said they pretty much. Uh, well, I would. I'm going to say they, they openly say they hate the gays. They don't believe in the gay. No, they, yeah. They, oh, I knew that. They believe in pray the gay away. Yes, they're that. That's that's always my favorite. You know, Carl. Did Carl send the video about the kid? Uh, the kid's in his bathroom, and he's like, "This is my voice." One week after, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a video, and then as they go further and further into praying the gay away, <laughs> right. the voice gets more and more gay. But right. he's not gay because he's praying. Right. <laughs> 
By the way, we're on the New Jersey Turnpike. I almost pulled a, a Tracy Morgan. I got to pay more attention here. There's an 18 wheeler. Yeah, it was right behind us. Um, no, so yeah, they they think you could pray the gay away and go to uh, what what is the treatment called again? Do you remember offhand? That they made that Russell Crowe movie about it that just came out. I forgot what it's called. It's it's not. It, it, but it, if you think one of your kids is gay, you you, you send them away and they. It's uh, not repro- immersion. It's not immersion theory. They, or, or they reprogram you or something, but. So Karen, uh, is her name Karen? Karen Pence? I don't know. Don't, uh, care, don't care enough about the vice president to ever learn the first name. Oh, <laughs> I gave up after Tipper Gore. You know how everyone's <laughs> like kind of, not everyone, but a big part of this country is scared of Trump? I, I'm more scared of Pence. Oh, that's what a lot of people have said. I'm not, ever, he is you know. creepy. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want that at all. And anyway, uh, so she went back to teaching. I guess she was an art teacher. Okay. And she signed up with a school where you... Uh, is it one of those kind of schools? You denounce... Oh, you have to say. You uh, you denounce and say you are... You don't believe in the gay. Oh, God. How, how ignorant. Thank you! Pure is the definition of ignorance. Thank it you. It really, really is. I don't. I, I just don't get it one ounce. It just shows who you are. I can't believe more people don't get angry about it. You know, because it's, it is that clearly defined as you've just proven how ignorant you are. Uh, I hundred percent. Living in New York, you see it everywhere. And, and guess what? People go about their lives. No one gives a shit. For the most part, no one gives a shit in New York City. No one cares at all. You know, the gay guy at our high school, uh, at the I didn't go to the class reunion, but we all knew the guy was gay. And he went to church where my friend Norton, I'm always talking about my Norton, and uh, and we all liked him. We just knew him. He was he was the, uh, he directed the band. He played in the band, then he worked his way up to where he was the, he's the guy, with the, he's the drum major. He's the guy leading the whole stick, right? And he's just really funny and a great guy. And nobody gave a shit. And he was forced. And, and some of that stuff would drift in the, at the church. And Norton would always kind of give him the wink like, I know, it's bullshit. And so, like, you know, at the 10-year reunion, he showed up, and I was asking Norton about it because I didn't go. And he goes, Jimmy Webb was the guy's name. He said, great dude. He was like, he was just walking around thanking everybody for being so nice to him because he knew he was in the closet, and everybody just still treated him fairly. And we're like, you might have thought you were in the closet, but we just love you. We, everybody knew you were gay, and nobody gave a shit. And this is Alabama. That, that's in, Alabama in a long 70s, time ago. In the 70s, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah. But he was really, for real. That's insane. They said at the, at the reunion he was really touched, and everybody was like, "There's no need." Oh, okay, you're welcome. Thank you. But we right. didn't think we were really doing anything. Cause Jim Webb, we've known you since the second grade. Right. Who gives a shit? You guys didn't judge back then. <laughs> no, it didn't matter. Good for you. No. Man. After they forced the integration and nothing happened, because we'd been going to school with black people, going to kindergarten. For, so when they made it full on integrated, and all the whitey oldies were thinking that Armageddon was coming and hell was going to break loose, and not not a damn thing happened. And it was so funny because as kids, the pa- the parents were panicking. Right. They're older. They're from the scary times or ignorant times or both. And so what they were warning us, well, be careful at school and all this stuff. And, and we're like, I, I played basketball with them yesterday afternoon. So what's going to be different <laughs> yeah, <laughs> over, yeah, exactly. here, over here today in the lunchroom, you know? And then nothing happened. And it was really funny to watch all the parents be chicken little and, <laughs> and get their faces kind of crammed in it that nothing happened. We're kind of giggling behind the scenes. Yeah. It's one of those times where, you know, it's, it's weird to be 10 or 11 years old and to really believe and know it's true. You're smarter than your parents on this one. Right. On this particular topic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You hear we're mumbling behind their backs. Going, what the fuck? Seriously? <laughs> the only thing I say is that because we're older, like now, now you got the transgender going on, and and now there's adding categories. You're a he, you're a she, oh, right. you're a there, you're an it, you're right. a, 
yeah. me, you're yeah. a, I, I can't keep up anymore. No. And all I, I say, being an older guy, like, we come from a time where you simply didn't acknowledge or talk about, you know, uh, gay people. And it's like, we're a little older. Give us a little time to kind of catch up. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? No, yeah, you can't There's, no, there's can't. no hate in my heart, but if you're, if you're a bit older and, and, you know, I still, you know, when I see... When I see what I see walking around the streets in New York, I, I need a moment sometimes. Sometimes you do. But I don't. I, I'm not mad. I don't have no, hate. No, no. But I, I still need a moment. But if you say that in this, uh, in this day and age, people will fucking try to rip your head off. But you got to give, you got to give us older people uh, a little, a little. A little more time to adjust. Well, they're throwing the whole library at you. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll yes. read all the books. I'll be yes. happy. But yes. you're a book guy. You right. like to listen. Give me, give me, a, give me a month or two. I'll go through these on Audible. I'll, great... I'll have it all figured out. But you can't hit me with thirty. You can't hit me with the whole library. Boom, 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 boom. I don't know what's going on. That's a great way to look at I'm it. I'm willing to learn. I want to listen. I'm not mean. There's no yeah. hate in my heart. No, but no. I, I can't read the whole library at once. Just but, give me a chance. But some people out there, like if you're not accepting right away. They're fucking pissed. It's oh, like, yeah. yo, chill. Let us breathe a little bit. They'll, they'll figure get, this out. They'll spit. They'll get prejudiced in our own you. time. They'll yes, get, of course they will. <laughs> they oh, they'll hate on you. <laughs> and, and all you're saying is like, just give me a little Hang time. For a second. Yes, exactly. I'm still trying to like digest the whole Bruce Jenner thing. Oh lord. And well, honestly, he's Bruce Jenner to me because that's how I knew him. Certainly. Not that I ever met him personally, right. but if you call him Bruce Jenner, people go, "It's Caitlyn," oh, and they get really mad. I'm like. No, to me, yes. Bruce Jenner, Fine. Wheaties Box, Olympic champion, yes. uh, uh, um, the Network Star Show, yeah. whatever that was called. Uh, Battle of the Network Battle Stars. Battle of the Network Stars and, and, and all that. But you say Bruce Jenner, like, it's Caitlyn Jenner. I know, it's sad. It's like, okay, all right, relax. I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but that's how I know that person. I told you what my brother's doing. By the way, Bruce Jenner? Yep. He simply wins the ten-year challenge. For oh, you're not up on social no, media. No. Everyone's everyone's uh, it, there's a hashtag called ten-year challenge. So okay. you would, you know, if you're a square, you would just get a, a picture of yourself ten years ago and then a picture of you today. But other people are trying to like have fun with the ten-year challenge. So oh, maybe maybe find something they they think they look like or what you know what I mean or like a celebrity that kind of looks like them so they're fucking with the, the hashtag but the hashtag itself is huge and my point is that no one's beating Bruce Jenner at the 10-year challenge <laughs> that's good that's true see that joke needed a setup that's right that's, that's all it needed was a setup sometimes you have to have a little more explanation than other times I did not know because everyone is trying to come up with the best 10-year yeah, you're challenge right. nobody's gonna top that no. nobody's gonna top that one Okay, more of that ride with Vic Henley coming up and a call to Carl Ruiz. But before we help Greg pay for a school that has a budget big enough to greenlight claymation films for third graders, let's take a moment to remember the late great comedian, William Stevenson. I know how to start an argument with anyone. And I don't need but two words. What's wrong? I would get married tomorrow if I could marry a police detective, just so I can hear the phrase, we can either do this here or we can do this downtown. There's a lot of shit going on down there. My last girlfriend and I broke up because she's from Jamaica and does not smoke marijuana, and that is the end of that joke. 
I touch myself quite a bit. Um, I touch myself like it's my job and I'm bucking for a raise, all right? I installed a bounty paper towel rack on the wall next to my bed, all right? I don't think I can paint this picture any clearer. <laughs> if you don't know me by now, you will never know me. Rest in peace, William. We'll be back with the OP Radio podcast in a moment, but first, got to talk about Manscaped. Oh, yeah. Taming the briar patch, mowing the lawn, or trimming Yeti. Whatever you call it, it's about time we talked about manscaping. Guys, you manscape, right? You know, keep things trimmed and fresh below the waist. Nine out of ten women of all ages prefer their guy manscaped. But you got to have the right tools for the jewels. Or you'll look like you used a machete. Pop over to manscaped.com and check out their perfect package. Oh, not that perfect package, you silly goose, you. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 that was a smash hit on Shark Tank. It features the lawnmower, a precision trimmer engineered for below-the-waist grooming. Its skin-safe technology means no more accidental nicks and burns. Check out the lawnmower and the amazing grooming and hygiene products that come with your perfect package. What's that saying? Eh, trim the shrubs and the tree stands taller. Order now to receive a manly toiletry bag, a $39 value free. Just enter promo code OPIE. That's O-P-I-E at manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. That's promo code OPIE at manscaped.com. Opie Radio. What the fuck? The Opie Radio Podcast. What the fuck is he talking about? I'm confused. No, I make fun. So anyway, where were we? Oh, so um, so then I tapped out because uh, because I'm an amateur when it comes to you guys. I had my beers, I had my fun, I had my food. I think I left there around uh, 9.30 or 10, somewhere around there. So what happened after I left? We were we stayed there until about 11. We kept dancing because, you know, my, my hardware fours were very smooth. And so that's why we all had socks on. And everybody was trying to moonwalk. And we're dancing to all the funk. And then we're going out on the deck. And everybody's taking a smoke break. And we're going back and forth, back and forth. And um, somewhere about a little after 11, we decided to take it out to the bar, which is around the corner. And so then we went over to the bar. And Felipe, my friend who works there, well, he's a bartender. And he's from Puebla, Mexico. Full-on Mexican dude. And so... We're in there about five or ten minutes, and they're playing some good music, too. So we're dancing around in the bar, and we're carrying on. And um, Sherrod, every time every time my friend Meg is left alone, either Sherrod or Carl are going over to her and, and hitting on her. They're both. They're both. And she's handling it flawlessly. She's just definitely deflecting like a hockey goalie. You know, just boom, boom, boom. No, 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 no. And still, anytime one of them wandered away, the other one would walk right up. Hey, what's going on? You know? Beautiful. So we were laughing and carrying on in there, and then I hear Carl talking to Felipe in Spanish across the bar. And uh, it just sounds like regular, just back and forth, back and forth. No tone to it, just sounds like da 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 And all of a sudden, I go to the bathroom, I come back, Carl's still talking to him. I'm making some change with the cash that's laying on the bar, and all of a sudden, Carl whispers in my ear, This guy's a fucking asshole. And, then, and I'm like, Oh shit, now it's gonna, I hope it's not gonna get drunk mad, Carl, or just anybody that gets drunk and angry. And, um, I'm like, what do you mean? It's Felipe. What the fuck? And he's like, he goes, he's correcting me on my Spanish. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and so I start giggling like I am now. And I said, uh, 
Are you wrong? Are, but are you? Is he busting your balls, or do you think? I'm going. He's from Mexico. <laughs> he would know the language as well as anybody. Is the Cuban Spanish different than the Mexican Spanish? Sometimes there's little changes in you know dialect or not dialect, but more, you know different phrases and shit. And, he, and Carl goes, no, 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 I'm fucking up. I'm not doing. I'm, he's, he goes, it's my fault. I'm. He's. He's. He goes, but goddamn the arrogance on this fuck. And then so Felipe looks at me. And I go, are you bothering Carl? And he goes, no. But you're gonna fucking talk to me in Spanish. Fucking speak it correctly. Or I'm gonna correct you. And, uh, and so then Carl says something else in Spanish, and then he says something back to him in Spanish, and then Carl looks at me and goes, he just did it again! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So it really turned into a laugh. It really, yeah, that, yeah. that was about as heated as it got. It was really, really funny. We stayed there, we left there, we wandered down, because it was really dead there, and Felipe wanted to go on home. So he, he we, we paid and went on down the street to another bar and hung out down there for another drink or two. We ended up back at my house, Finally, everybody started going home about 2.30 or 3, 3 o'clock in the morning. That was on a Tuesday night. Yeah, two, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I noticed. I remember looking over and saying, it's it's 2.59 or something like that. I'm like, good Lord, it's 3 in the morning. And then then it was, Carl had a friend pop in. You weren't there when that guy showed up, were you? Uh, uh, no. The guy's a kitchen designer. He And a lot of the restaurants Carl's worked in, he's the nuts and bolts guy that puts it all together for you. He gets you all the equipment, tells you how the layout's going to be. Real smart guy. And yeah, he showed up, Carl contacted him somewhere or another, and he showed up and in all the chaos and hung out and drank beers and laughed. And Carl's trying to blend in some restaurant talk about Carl's new restaurant with that anyway. So you talk about combining business with pleasure. Carl pulled a meeting at 145. <laughs> you know, at the at his peak craziness. And the guy showed up and rolled right with it. Carl's known him in the restaurant world for a million years. That's awesome. So um so then he left, everybody left, and it was just me and Carl sitting there. And we sat there and bullshitted for another hour or so. That's till, awesome. So about six, and I'm an eye, Carl. I've had enough. I'm tapping out. And that's might, a hell of a run, though, man. That's that's 18 hours. Something like it was. Well, it was crazy. I thought about you because I walked across um, Central Park in the middle of the, it wasn't the middle of the night, but it was late. And uh, God, it was so peaceful. That's still one of my favorite things to do. That's the best meditation ever, man. But in the winter, it's even better. Yes. Like in the summer, there's a, there's always a lot of action and people and whatnot, but. In the middle of winter, it was like 25 degrees out, no wind though, so it was that crisp air. And I was in the middle of the park, and you could hear the old pin drop. And uh, and then I saw the raccoons. You've oh, seen yeah. the raccoons oh, like yeah. hop across the lawns like they're kangaroos, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, they have because of snow. They're, yeah, they're yeah, like, right. No, totally, it's crazy good. I saw two raccoons, and man, that that never gets old, man. That scared the shit out of me. I I used to take you know those little folding. Like when you follow at a golf tournament, had the little folding chair that you could take around and sit on yourself. And uh, sometimes, in the, especially after it had snowed, I'd bundle up head to toe, thermal socks, thermal everything, and I'd go out there at about you know midnight. And I'd walk out into the middle of the great lawn. It's covered completely in snow, and I'd unfold my little golf chair and I would just sit there and just notice the sky. And it most you could hear a pin drop. You wouldn't believe that there's you know 10 million people. Ready to murder I know. Each other. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know, but it was, that was I used to be like, "Why do you do this?" I'm like, "It's just so peaceful. It's so quiet. I almost would fall asleep sometimes." Well, I was walking through Central Park yesterday with my daughter. We went ice skating at the Trump rink. By the way, the Trump rink is falling apart. Get on that Trump. My buddy uh, Seamus, you know Seamus. My yeah. buddy Seamus. Uh, yeah. His uh, his sisters, as a goof, um, they bought him for Christmas. Uh, sent him a big Looney Tunes sweater. So it's just all the classic Looney Tunes, Bugs and Roger, all of them. And it's a big, red, obnoxious, 
oversized not sweater sweatshirt with all the Looney Tunes on it and in real giant big letters across the bottom Looney Tunes so him and his girlfriend were at, at the rink skating and, and Seamus took a picture right where it says Trump and he's got on the big sweater and says Looney Tunes <laughs> he, he sent it to me I'm like oh this is wonderful <laughs> see we're going to get hate for that but that's just funny come on funny. people it's funny and I say screw building the wall how about you rebuild that ice rink yeah fix it absolutely fix it, please. you're going to put your name on something maintain yeah. it but my uh, my daughter is now at uh, six years old and we were going ice skating and she's like daddy why is it you can't hear a sound in the middle of Central Park and I'm like that's why daddy loves it that's right you you don't even hear a car or nothing not a beep of a horn it, it was just awesome occasionally the sound of a couple of guys coming because they're jerking each other off in the, <laughs> in the ramble in the ramble sometimes occasionally you hear a moan or something that ain't a raccoon Jesus <laughs> Okay, all right, we'll add that. I'm joking, I was just... We'll add that to... Comedy. The, the sounds of New York City. The sounds of Manhattan. Let's call up Carl. Uh, wow, I'm, I'm multitasking. I'm now trying to make a phone call. I'm driving. I I'm podcasting with... No, no, we got to do it through the car. Oh. Let's see if we get him on the on the horn here. He might... He was... He, was, he has a private party or something he's doing. He's got a Christmas party yeah. tonight. Hello. <laughs> What's up, Carl? What's wrong with you? What's going on? I'm with Vic Hanley, and I'm getting him to New Brunswick to, uh, you know, jump on tour with Ron White for a little while. Oh, now that guy's famous. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Way more than all three of us put together. Yeah. So, we we just uh, we just talked about the party at Vic's, and... Uh, is this going to be on the podcast? Yeah, we're, we're rolling right now, my brother. I probably should have told you that ahead of time. I've kept no, it clean. No I've kept just, it clean. Uh, I just wanted to say, boo. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, you're not missed. Go ahead. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Go ahead. I want you to fill in the blanks. I, we pretty much told the whole story, and I, I praised your cooking. I praised the uh, the bologna omelet. Uh, right. And how amazing all the food was. I even admitted to Vic. I go, look, I, 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 I always end up kicking myself and going and go why do you question Carl because because you guys described all the great food you had at Vicks and right. and by the time I got there there was nothing left except a tiny tiny piece of bologna and then you just snapped to it you, you told Judd to get uh, eggs next thing you know I'm eating the most amazing fluffy bologna omelet I've ever had in my life that was a nice omelet and let me tell you eggs and bologna are perfect together they I really work you know what? I think that was the first time I ever had that combination. It was, it was, Carl, for real, man. I said it to Vic, but I got to say it to you, your your cooking skills are ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. Because yeah. because then we were talking about the shitty Costco meat, the filet mignon. There's an old, there's an old, there's an old chef saying, you know, uh, to stupid people, magicians look like sorcerers. <laughs> Judd was so happy. Judd, Judd was so happy he could contribute to the party, and he comes back into Vic's uh, apartment with that shitty meat. You turn to us like, "I'm good, but fuck, I got a challenge yeah. ahead of me." And, and you, oh my god, it still had the price tag on the meat. <laughs> <laughs> the ink was seeping through. I I never saw meat with an actual UPC code on. It. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> it's true. Because it's true. And and then that turned out to be some of the best fucking meat I've ever had. Just how you prepared yeah, we, it. We, we did, a, you know, when the meat's bad, 
you do what's called a reverse sear. Um, and what happens is you heat it up in the oven first. You achieve your internal temperature, and then you just sear it on top. And uh, that bypasses a lot of, you know, a lot of nonsense. Because it's not going to, it's not going to, it's going to bullseye. It's going to get really gray if you if you cook it under high heat. Yeah. So, but uh, we got it done. We got it fixed. We, we got it uh, figured out. It was masterful. You did the, uh, I was trying to, I forgot for a split second that you almost stopped his heart when you hit him in the chest with the knife. You remember hitting me with the knife, Carl? Of course I do. I wasn't drunk yet. (laughs) You son of a bitch. So so explain again why that I thought, I told him, I really thought when you removed the knife that I was going to see feathers or fiber coming out of the jacket because I know how sharp that feather knife is. No, what happens is when I when I whipped it, my hand is so fast, I hit him with the back of the knife. And we do that to each other to scare each other. But the blade never hit his jacket. It was the, it was the back of the knife. But it looks like you hit him with the sharp side. Yeah, like I said. <laughs> some people look, it looks like sorcery. <laughs> you know what? The whole time we thought that, I didn't know that, yeah. The whole time we thought that you just knew how to hit him with the sharp side and hold it at the right angle and still not cut No, it. if I would have hit him with the sharp side, it would have cut his jacket. That's what it I would thought. Have yeah. It would have broken skin at that speed. Hey. Yeah, definitely broken skin. Hey, Carl. made a good loud sound. Hey. made a good whop. Let me jump in yeah. here for a second because... Thank God you just explained that because I think a whole bunch of people are going to try that trick because I said that it was how you hit me that, that the blade didn't cut me or cut through my, my clothes, but it's, it's more of a trick that you were able to spin around his hand. hand. Yeah, some yeah, t- yeah. You, spin it, you spin it with the inside of your thumb. You can only do that. The, the, the knife, uh, uh, Vic Henley's uh, uh, fader knife is round. That The uh, hand... Oh, are we, we losing him? Like a square type, oh. up and, and cut somebody. Yeah, okay. But uh, we used to do that to like first day cooks. Um, we used to there's a bunch of stuff that we used to do to first first day cooks. We used to slap them with the knives. They used to get freaked out. Um, we used to uh, we used to tell them to go uh, mop the freezer floor, the walk in freezer floor, and we would just watch them freeze themselves to the floor of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a great one. 14th Street. Wherever. Okay. Where are you, Carl? Right, wherever. I'm uh I'm headed towards uh, downtown. I have a I have a little Christmas party at the where the rest at the restaurant where I'm gonna open. It's almost so. February. Yeah, you know they're not they're not on the up and up with the dates. Um, <laughs> can't you can't you just call it a Valentine's Day party at this point? I gotta tell you, it doesn't make me a hundred percent comfortable with what we're doing here. <laughs> How many people, Carl? How many people? I don't know, probably a hundred. You know what I mean? Damn. What are you throwing out they, for them? They kept, they kept, they kept like they didn't. They kept passively, aggressively trying to ask me to cook for it. You know what I mean? But I, I mean, I just danced around them the whole time. They're like, you know, we should do like little hors d'oeuvres. I'm like, great idea. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Jesus. And they're like, what time are you coming in? I said, what time's the party? They're like, eight. I'm like, I'll be there at nine. <laughs> <laughs> smart. You smart. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're... They're, like, they're like, like, nine in the morning? I'm like, is there going to be booze there? They're like, no. I'm like, no, nine at night. <laughs> yeah, nine at night, like a gentleman. Yeah. Like, like a, what's wrong with you? Are like, you on TV? Yeah, like a little gentleman. Uh, any stories from the other night after I left? I mean, we pretty much... Uh, <laughs> We pretty much went through the whole uh, the whole thing. How you you fucking stepped up, Carl? 
You killed it, buddy. <laughs> you stepped up, Carl Ruiz, for your pal and my pal, Vic Henley. He certainly, and he kissed me a million times, and I was really starting to like it by the end of the night. On the <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, in my in my uh, in my line of work, uh, we lose a lot more people than we keep. You know, so I know I know what that's all about. Um, and uh, and it just felt you know it felt like the right thing to do because I I know what that's like. You know, I know how it is to lose people suddenly. Trust me, I got a list of people that I wish were dead. You know what I mean? But when when someone dies that isn't on that list, it kind of sucks. You know what I mean? So. Well, I, I really appreciate it, buddy. It was so much fun. There was no better way to get all the good, the bad. The it was just cathartic. You know, it was really, really yeah. needed. We had some fun. Absolutely. Gerard showed up because yep. because food, and then. <laughs> And me and Sherrod, I mean, we, I mean, once we go head to head, I mean, you know, at the end of the night, it's me, Sherrod, and one girl, and it's just, it's, it's literally like two nights. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I mentioned that earlier, and it's she literally, she, like, she the black fl- night and the black night and the Cuban night, just <laughs> fencing. I mean, vigorously. You know I t- what I mean? And I I'm, said, I said earlier, you were, and she was deflecting you like a goalie, like a hockey goalie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you know, I mean, at the end, cooler heads prevail. You know what I mean? This is what I do for a living. You know, I've only been on the pro circuit now for a year, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty. My standings are pretty up there. But uh, you know, it was uh, it was fun. It was fun to joust with uh, with Shira. He's uh, he's always, he's a handful. You know, he starts. He's you know. I mean, I don't know a lot of celebrities. He's saying every name in the book. Oh up there God! Yeah, he's bringing out pictures on his phone. Oh, oh hell yeah! Turn around. Yeah. Every time I would turn yeah. around, I'd hear her, I'd hear him scream, Dion Warwick. <laughs> Right. So he's wait. He's he's got game where he's breaking out pictures. Oh, absolutely! Oh, that's hilarious. He was working it. Watching it. Watching you guys. Wa- watching you guys go at it like that is. I felt like I was watching another uh, Ali Frazier fight. I do is I I have him of attrition. You know what I mean? Because I know sooner or later he's going to get too drunk, and I'm not. You know what I mean? And then uh, and then I knew it was ready when he, I hear him from the couch. He goes. Is there any more salami? I'm like, that's it. You're done. <laughs> Let's call it. He looked at me and said that. Let's call it right now. I, I went into my fucking pocket. I put I put in three certs, and I'm like, here we go. Let's, let's close this, baby. <laughs> and Sherrod was calling you sweet feet all night yeah, when I, when I was there. Because he was sliding around. I'm sliding, dancing, winking at the girl. Meanwhile, he's like, we're in Houston. I'm like, that ain't going to fly, bro. That ain't gonna fly, bro. But that ain't flying. This, this is a giant white girl that went to Dartmouth. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I'm screaming out, bring your vines. That's <laughs> We're uh we're passing Newark Airport. That might be Ron White's flight that we see literally yeah, twenty literally twenty feet off our car right now. Oh my god, that's really fun. That's uh, good, man. We had a good time. I I, I love Vic uh, Vic Henley's apartment. I just uh I wake up and I leave and he always calls me like thirty minutes. Later, after he realizes I'm not there, he's like, "All right, you're not dead. Good, I'll see you around." <laughs> and then he usually wanders around to seven or eight killer spots to eat in my neighborhood that I've never even heard of. That I've never even heard of. <laughs> I was I was beat up. I went straight I went straight home. I ordered I ordered a Domino's pizza on the way in the car. The pizza was waiting for me. I just sat in my car in front of the cabin and ate pizza. 
Yeah, I was on the ca- I was on the couch wrapped in a blanket, just shaking <laughs> for, uh, yeah. for way too long. Jesus. <laughs> Those nights. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, the night prematurely had to go that long because uh, because uh, Sherrod didn't want to concede. You know what I mean? That's true. So, so I mean, we could have wrapped it up hours ago, but he wanted to. Uh, you wanted to dance, so let's dance. Unbelievable! Another another win for the kid. <laughs> gotta take you. Gotta take the wins. I remember I was talking to her, and she's like, "Why don't you call me?" I'm like, "Cause you're tall." I mean, she's gorgeous. I've been talking she's to you. For, I've been, she's I've six been one though. For, she's six one. Yeah, I was like, I was talking to you for an hour. You can't even hear me up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, you're, wait, wait, did you say why didn't you call me? And you said because you're tall. <laughs> She yeah, said, she said, "Why did you go?" Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, oh, you're, you're a piece of work. You're a piece of work, bro. I'm trying to be all sexy. I'm like, "You look cute tonight." She's like, "What?" I'm like, "You look cute." <laughs> he was trying to twirl her, but she's too tall. <laughs> he, I, <laughs> he was trying to he was trying to salsa dance with her and do the do the twirl thing, but he can't get his arm up over her head. She'd have to kind of cr- she'd have to kind of crouch down, and he'd do a crouch twirl. <laughs> Uh, did did anyone uh, call the good? Uh, did anyone call the Guinness Book of Records? I fucked that up, fuck, because that would be a goofy picture to check out. Oh my god, yeah, dancing with her is. Uh, I mean, it's like she almost she's not she doesn't dance. She almost like picks. I felt like she was running like a pick in a basketball game. Like I just couldn't get around her. But um, but uh, you know everything works out. You know my grandmother used to always say, "We're all the same height laying down." There you go. And she doesn't mind that she did play D three basketball. So, and she yeah. played she played center, I think, or, or power forward. But I'm always joking. One night at the bar, we were hanging out, and I didn't know how it was going to go. And I just kept going. She's strong in the paint. <laughs> and then she, and she smiled and loved it from the very first time I said it because she goes, "I was a fucking beast in the paint." There was don't you. So it's fun to you know the, th- the him and Shirai, that I'm just every now and then I'm yelling over my shoulder. She's strong in the paint. <laughs> oh my god. And and, and Shirai just naming every yeah, rock brother. Absolutely. I didn't know there were so many of them. Right. I didn't know how many there were. There was like 30 of them. Yeah. And then, uh, but uh, you know what? It's all about It's all about just you got to be there when they decide, not when you decide. You just got to stick around. It's, it's, the strategy is that simple. If you're the last one that can turn on and turn off the radio, you win. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you just wait everybody out. Bro, I've waited out people for, for a decade. <laughs> it's a long game, the long con. Yeah, I've had. I mean, I've sat down and had beers, and, and like you know, with like friends of mine that have married girls that I always thought were hot. And you know, I'd be like in the city, be like, "Yo, you know, me and Kimberly are, uh, we're done." I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know, I know very well that you're done. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's uh, when when you're small, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta develop the. Up. You just can't uh, just can't shop it. Imagine if I just show up somewhere and smile. You think I'm like uh, from a third world country. Like I just escaped from holding cell. My broken box of Lego teeth. You know what I mean? That's not gonna work. <laughs> Jesus, Carl. Uh, by by the way, I, I, we got to mention it because we haven't mentioned it on the podcast yet. That food bracket thing you did uh, last weekend. I, Fuck! Everyone bows to you. That was fun. That was a blast. so we got a beer one. We got a cheap American beer one coming up uh, next week, and then uh, starting Friday, and then Sunday I launched the breakfast cereal bracket. Oh, that's a big. I'll, I'll send it to you. So you can take it if you want to add anything. 
I, uh, I'll let you know. I could easily be in uh, the breakfast cereal one. Easily. I'm shopping for breakfast cereals every other f- week with the kids. Did brisket win the first one? Was that the final yeah, one? Yeah, brisket. Brisket. I mean, brisket just straight sweet. I mean, it was, it was beef sweet. And, and, I who, mean, and who won the... Uh, uh, yeah, thank you, babe. And who won the fast food one? Uh, the fast food, five guys, uh, five guys won. Who did they beat in the end? Chick-fil-A. Right. Uh, they beat Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Chick-fil-A was in the finals? Right. Chick-fil-A unbelievably was in the finals, but, uh... Overrated! Some people wrote yeah, some Chick-fil-A. funny stuff. Overrated! Chick-fil-A. Oh, painfully overrated. Can I name three that are better and you can either agree or disagree? Yeah, go ahead. Please. I'm going to go with the obvious. You go KFC, way better than Chick-fil-A. You, yeah. You got to go Popeye's, way better than Chick-fil-A. And I'm going to and I'm gonna throw in a, a, a long shot here because I've only had them a couple times down south. I'm going to go Churches. Churches is pretty churches good. Churches is great. Bojangles. There you go. Are you impressed or what? Bojangles. Yeah, those are all great. But, but Chick-fil-A, you know, they, you know, people, let me tell you something. People eat on trends a lot, you know? People, like, they really follow other people. If, if someone that they think is cool says something that's cool, these dodos, they'll eat it. You know, it's a shame. It's a shame. People don't make up their own minds. My, my kids finally uh, told us they don't want us ordering Chick-fil-A anymore because we thought it was, uh, you know, the kids kind of enjoyed it, so we kept ordering it. I'm like, I, 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 nothing for me. I hate Chick-fil-A. And then the kids finally tapped out. I do like it. I do it's like okay, it. but it, it, it's way overrated. But somebody wrote something really funny, Carl. I forgot what it was, but it was a play on, you know, they're always closed on Sunday. So during, during, during the brackets, there was something like, you know, uh, just wait till Sunday and then they, you'll, they'll, they'll lose by default or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's true, though. I mean, but I, I'm just not a fan of Chick-fil-A. I, you know, I wish I was, but uh, I, I don't like it. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I never crave it. Yeah. And I think fast food has to be craved. You know, like, I crave McDonald's every once in a while. You know, and, you know, people are like, garbage food. I'm like, you got a garbage life. Who cares? You know what I mean? Relax. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It is what it is. I, I used to crave the Chick-fil-A growing up because there were no freestanding buildings. They were only in the mall. So w- once a year when you got lucky enough to go to the mall in Birmingham an hour away, like the ultimate field trip, I went straight for the Chick-fil-A because that was all we knew and I liked it. And then later on, especially in the past few years, when they learned how, when they learned how to get the homophobia right into the chicken... Say that again, Vic. When they learn how to get the homophobia right into the chicken. <laughs> That's when it really changed. It was really good. I mean. They got the homophobia in the chicken. That's great. They broadcast old Hitler speeches to the chicken while it's marinating to create an emulsion of hate. That's their special ingredient. That is hate. Hate. <laughs> I, just, uh, I, just booked, I just booked a table... At White Castle for Valentine's Day. I saw that, Carl. Look yeah, at you. Bro. Look at you stepping so I gotta up. Find, I gotta find a date. Well, I gotta you, find one. You got three weeks. I got three weeks. That's enough. Yeah, you I mean, usually it takes, takes me 40 minutes. <laughs> so I got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. I, let me you, as ugly as I am, the, the the I have learned now that I'm in the pro circuit that uh, being single with kind of sort of a job and living in a major hub like New York, being straight and not having children or 
child support or anything like that is unbelievable as far as advantages go. It checks off a lot of the perfect boxes. All those are big, big categories up here. I mean, giant, you know, I can cook. I, uh, I got no, no, no attachments whatsoever. Dude, I'm telling you, like, I'm at a bar and some really good-looking dudes there. And the minute he pulls out his, you know, 40-year-old iPhone because he's playing child support and shows a, shows a picture of his kid playing hockey, <laughs> I just fucking chuckle. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. That's when I need Joey. I need Joey just to walk into the bar and plug in a little amp. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, well, Carl, we, uh, we're not happy you're not in this car with us. We're going to have a good time oh, with Rod yeah, White. Fuck, he's man. Happy. He's happy he's not in. He probably he's hanging is. out with models and stuff here. Yeah, I understand. You got the better uh, You got the better part of the deal. I, you know who I invited to the Christmas party? He's coming, EB, as a thank you for, for uh, playing those, those songs on, uh, on our podcast. For real? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Tell EB I said hi. They, they did a, a sick version of Ecstasy of Gold. Holy oh, fuck. Man. I'm sure he's going to take so many pictures, he could probably animate it. <laughs> There's Carl waving. I'm waving again. There's Carl telling you to leave. <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. So uh, be good, guys. I love you. I'll see you when you get back. Hopefully not. All right. Hi, buddy. Love to see you soon. There he goes. Carl. Carl Ruiz. That was fun. Oh, so good. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I know. You have a show tonight. That'll be all right, though. That's easy. That's the fun part. I can't. So we're, we're really close to our exit. We're, uh, we're hooking up with Ron White. I can't wait to see the tour bus. I, I haven't. Uh, I've heard about this tour bus for years. It's It still looks brand new, and it's over 10 years old, but... Pat, the tour manager, Pat McCollum, who you'll meet later, he built the bus. He owns a thing called Nashville Coach, and he built tour buses forever. That's what he does. He turned the uh, company over to his kids, his grown children here lately. And so and so, he, who better than the tour manager to know every nook and cranny and how to make the bus work? And, it, and it's still, to what it's been through, you'd never notice. You'd think it'd be a little road hard and put up wet. But it, it looks brand new, just like it rolled off the floor. You'll see later. Will I get you a know? tour? Yeah, come if, after the show, we'll go on the bus and we'll hang out and do whatever. All right, we'll do another podcast on the bus, maybe? We'll, we'll talk for a little bit. We'll see what kind of mood he's in. I understand. There's a meet and greet. Yeah. And so sometimes, after doing the extra meet and greet, he kind of just wants to chill for a minute and, and, and crank the volume on the stereo. Yeah. And and, you know, smoke a cigar and have some tequila and, you know. If we don't even get Ron White on, I mean, me and you will just do another oh, one. Oh, we got plenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah we could easily do another one There's plenty of people these. to talk to also. Of course. They, they, I believe Dave Little's coming. He's a, he's an old comic, but he does Ron's merchandise now, and he's great. And again, like I said, Pat McCollum's great. Got a thousand stories. Got him, went to high school with Oprah. Really? Uh, yeah. Some, this just came up out of the clear blue, like the last time I was with them. And Ron was like, wait, wait, wait. He, Pat's telling some story, and this comes up. And we've all known Pat. Ron's like, I've known you for 15 years. How did I not know you knew Oprah? And Pat goes, well, you never asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's something, you know, that's something you don't wait, wait for. If you go to high school at Oprah, that's bragging rights. You're going to tell everybody. You don't yeah. sit there and, like, out of the blue, someone's going to go, hey, by the way, did you uh, ever go to school with, I don't know, Oprah? Oprah? Right, no, that's what we know. We right. got mileage out of this forever. Of course you did. It was really, really funny. And so funny that I can't even remember the connection now. But something came up. 
and um, it was something to do with building the tour bus or something maybe with Nashville coach and she needed a bus for something and was talking to someone on the phone and then the, he, she recognized the last name and then so on the phone ever who it was who was really talking over went Pat McCollum and they're like yeah and she was oh my god I love him I've known him since the ninth grade or, 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 wow. or something like that you know right and uh, then yeah Pat tries to slide that out like that's not gonna have a crazy reaction. Does he have any Oprah stories? Uh, no, no, no. He None. just knows her from... No, he knows her from growing up. And, like, her dad was horrible, which all, all the public knowledge of... Yeah, we all know yeah, that. Yeah, everybody knows about this. So, he just basically confirmed all that. He knows her sister. Uh, I, I think it's half-sister or sister. But he said he, he loves her. They're a great family, except for the old shitty dad. Yeah. Yeah. The old shitty dad that ruined everything. Yeah, that happens. I, I got to say, before we uh, wrap this up, I, uh, I checked out Ron White's Netflix special right before he picked you up. It's good. Uh, it's really good. Yeah, it's really, and he'll do some of this. He was worried that uh, after the special aired, that the crowd wouldn't laugh at these shows because they would already have seen it. No, that's not. Well, I mean, I, I'm not gonna tell you. Well, you'll guys, see the live show. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, nah, nah, man. He's still changing it up. He still loves you from giving him the. Um, well, we'll, I'll, we'll talk to him later. I'll let him bring it. But you reminded him at Montreal one year of some funny story that's now in his act. I thought so. Yeah, he told it for the first time just up there bullshitting with y'all. Right. And, it, and he totally spaced it and forgot it. And then now, the minute that show was over at Montreal, he went, oh, I'm putting that back in my show. So he always y'all, he has a special spot for you for tell, reminding him the story. Tell the story because I'm watching the Netflix thing and, I, and he goes, I was doing uh, the Montreal Comedy Festival and I was doing a live radio show for Sirius XM. And I'm like, that, 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 that was you. my show. Yeah, he usually I could have used, yeah, used, used the plug. promo. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which story though? Which one? Isn't it the one where um, he it was? He's talking about early, early in comedy when he hardly made any money and you make like four hundred dollars a yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, that, and that he, right he decides, okay, he's back at the crappy hotel that the club gets. And he said he had so little money that once a week uh, he'd pick a special night and go. And he, he called it date night. And then he would get a six pack of beer and a order of pizza, <laughs> and then and, and go for the eight ninety nine movie, yeah. the porn on the bad porn on the hotel porn yeah, yeah. channel, right? And so he's sitting all there, he's all geared up, he's ready to go. He's got he's eating his pizza, he's drinking a beer. He's naked. He turns it on, and uh, and the snow, black, snow, right? snow, yeah, yeah. snow. And uh, he's like, no, no, God, no, not not on date night. You know, and so he's now he's got to put his clothes back on. He calls. He calls the front desk and says, hey, uh, I just ordered this and it's not working. They're like, we'll send somebody up there in a second. So here comes the maintenance man, but it's not a maintenance man five minutes later. It's a hot chick. It's a, like a girl in her early 30s who's good looking. And she, she comes in and, and she's like, oh, he goes, I ordered the movie. And she's like, no, I think I can do it. And she's looking at the TV and he's sitting there. And it was just on the wrong channel. The actual dial had been turned. She goes, oh, you're just on the one channel. So she turns it up one channel to the channel you're supposed to be on. It's immediately some picture of some woman going down and just, just, <laughs> just, 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 blow, gagging. just gagging, just blowing somebody. Because <laughs> before, before she turned the channel, she, she, before she figured it out, she goes, what movie did you rent? And Ron goes, uh, Castaway. <laughs> right. And then she goes, oh, it's just a channel, and then flicks it over. <laughs> and then he gets to Ron goes, what's he doing to Wilson? <laughs> or something He's like that. He's going to inflate him. So, yeah, something like yeah. that. So she's going to overinflate. It was, you'll no, see, he'll do it in the set. Tonight. Yeah, no, I, I saw that on Netflix. So, uh, right on, man. No, the, uh, Ron White on Netflix. God damn, it's a good show. And uh, you I don't think I'll get in trouble for retelling the story. No, God, no. <laughs> no, you told it beautifully. No, it, but yeah, he tells and, it and I needed you to tell it just in case he doesn't tell it later. Yeah, oh, well, sure. Oh, he'll remember, I think. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. If we, if we get to talk to him on the podcast. If not, that it's fine because we just... 
we just had a good podcast with Vic Kenley. Once again, sorry about your buddy there, buddy. I, you know, Reem Stevenson, baby. Great, great guy. We got it all out. I feel 100% better. I wasn't good Monday or Tuesday. But I know I'm, you I've weren't. Been, I've been all right since then. All right, cool. All right, any uh, any plugs there, Vic? Just check and see if I'm on any of these Ron shows. You know, I'm doing. Uh, I'm, I'm here with him, and then I'm uh, doing some shows with him down south in Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, we're going to Louisiana. I'm doing Chicago with Kathleen Madigan. These are all in February. In, uh, and in the spring in May, I'm at the Huntsville, Alabama Comedy Club. Meet. Beautiful. That's where my niece lives, and so I'm getting paid to go visit the family. All right. We're going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, look at this. Perfect timing. Uh, here's our here, here's our exit. So this started outside Vic Henley's apartment in Manhattan, and now we're uh, getting off the New Jersey Turnpike to go to New Brunswick, uh, New Jersey. So with that, man, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Joey, wrap it up. On the next episode, we go backstage with Ron White. No spoilers. Please subscribe to this podcast at Apple. Leave us a five-star rating. Hang with Greg for a sunrise over Manhattan at Opie Radio on Graham and Facebook. And thanks for downloading Westwood One Podcast Network's Opie Radio. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.